Hello, my name is Alistair Brown and I'm going to talk to you about some of the, the science which underlies climate change. Okay, the first concept I want to talk about is this distinction between weather and climate. And a, a sort of a famous um, quote on this is this idea that climate is what you expect but weather is what you get. But in technical terms, weather is the conditions on any given day, so the conditions that you experience outside today. Whereas climate is the total experience of weather over a longer period of time. And conventionally that's a 30 year time period. What that means in effect is it's impossible to say what the weather is going to be like on a specific day next year, for example. But it is possible to describe what a typical day is like based on our experience of many, um, many years of data on any month. Okay, so now I want to talk to you about the greenhouse effect and how that operates in the atmosphere. Now, the greenhouse effect is a natural process which moderates the temperature of um, the Earth. And basically it works as sunlight comes in through the atmosphere, it's um, in short wavelength, high energy, and that energy is absorbed by um, the Earth's surface. Some of that radiation, some of that energy is then radiated back out to space as long wave infrared radiation. And in fact, most of that radiation uh, escapes that way. But some of that um, infrared radiation is, is captured by the atmosphere. And there are certain gases in the atmosphere, which we call greenhouse gases, which are particularly good at capturing um, that infrared radiation. And the effect of those gases is to warm um, the atmosphere and warm the Earth. And as I said, there are certain gases which are particularly um, good greenhouse gases, and carbon dioxide is obviously one that we've all heard of. Okay, so as I've started to talk about carbon dioxide, let's look at how carbon dioxide has changed in the past. So you can see, st starting by looking at the blue curve at the bottom of the screen, which is looking over the very long term, over hundreds of thousands of years, you can see that the levels of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere have actually fluctuated quite widely. And that's, um, fl that fluctuation is in accord with the temperature fluctuations of the ice ages. So when you're in an ice age, a very cool period, there's low concentration of CO2, and when we're between ice ages in the warm periods, there's much higher levels of CO2. But then if you look at the, um, the top curve, which shows um, how CO2 has changed over the last thousand years, you can see actually over most of that time scale, it's been relatively high, but constant. And it's only until in the more recent part of the record that that um, level has increased and if you look at the most recent levels of CO2 and you compare those to the, the ice age cycles, you can see that the levels of CO2 currently in the atmosphere are much higher than at any time over the last few hundred thousand years. Okay, so if we start looking now at temperature and how global temperature has changed, this record is composed of three independently derived data sets and it's important to re-emphasize this is a global temperature series. So this isn't just the temperature in any given area, it's the temperature amalgamated from lots of different areas all across the globe. There's a huge amount of effort gone into producing this data set. But, and even though there's three independently derived data sets, and you can see that there's quite a bit of noise or there's quite a bit of variation in that data set, the general trend is very clear, particularly towards the last, over the last 50 or 60 years, when there's a very clear warming trend. But it is important to emphasize that if you wanted to be selective, you could, sit, you could find areas where the data set appears to be showing a short-term cooling trend, whereas in fact the entire data set shows a very clear warming trend. Okay, so so far I've talked about um, the past effectively and how CO2 and how temperature has changed in the past and is currently changing. But if we want to start talking about the future, so what might global warming mean in the future, we need to start looking at climate models. 
And these allow us to take our understanding of the current system and how that operates and project them into the future to get some understanding of how things might change in the future. And these schematics give kind of very simple representations of how climate models work. So, and they show a kind of an evolution from in the 1970s when models were very basic and they basically they had things like rain but they didn't represent clouds and they represented increase in CO2 through gradual increase in the variables which they were able to represent. So including things like clouds and then if we move into the uh, 1990s they were able to include things like the ocean um, and land surface and then if we look at the most recent models they've incorporated things like ocean, um, ocean biology, atmospheric chemistry and sulfur cycle, carbon cycle processes. So the most recent models are very much better at representing the global system than the most basic models. Okay, so um, moving on from those um, sort of schematics of a climate model, we'd just like to show you a video which shows how the Met Office Hadley Center's um, current models show climate, global climate is likely to vary over the next um, 90 years or so. Okay, so so far I've talked very much about climate on the global scale, but let's get back to the UK and what's that going to mean for the UK? What will that mean for us in the UK over the next um, century? And the very sort of broad headline messages are that we're going to get very much warmer, wetter winters. We might expect hotter and drier summers. And we're going to expect to have more extreme weather events. So, for example, more very heavy downpours of rain, which might increase the risk of things like flooding. Okay, thank you very much.